Good morning. We have uh, got a few missing this morning because of colds and allergies and all that kind of thing. I uh, myself have kind of suffered with that this week. You may be able to tell that a little bit in my voice. It's a little better than it was on Wednesday night, though. It was like all of a sudden I was attacked by it. <laughs> and so uh, I've gotten uh, somewhat better than that, or better since then. And so uh, glad to be moving on. Be glad when all this stuff gets bloomed out, because then I get better once, it's <laughs> once the blooming part is all over with. So uh, thank you, Brian, for your class this morning. Enjoyed that very much. Good study in First Corinthians. Lots of things to talk about there. Um, the title of our lesson this morning is Faith, Facts, Verse, Fiction. And uh, I'll ask you in just a moment, or to be thinking about this as we get into the, your, the lesson this morning, what's your concept of faith? And I was telling someone just before we started this morning that really kind of the motivation for this and going over this again was this week and listening to the news, I heard a reporter say to a senator in talking about the tragedy that took place down in Nashville, that was terrible, that was terrible. A lot of people said they prayed about that. And this reporter said to this senator, are you finally ready to do something? You've told us that you've prayed about it. And I thought, my, my, my. And it was said in sort of a derogatory type of fashion. And as you can see now, it's nothing that's not quite obvious. Uh, Christianity is under attack in this nation. That's very obvious. And so I thought maybe it would be a good time for us as Christians to sort of talk about what the Bible says about faith and how this should impact the way we respond to all that's going on today. So that's really the motivation for this. So as, I, uh, get, or as we get into this, I just ask you, what is your concept of faith? And then is faith, as some people think, that it's kind of a protective bubble and that faith is just going to protect us from everything and life will be good if we just have faith. Or is faith a map that leads you through this life and into eternity? No matter what comes, faith will lead you through that. And so our concept of faith is going to determine how it is that we respond to God and to his word. And so there's four points that we're going to give consideration to, and I'll try to move down through this quickly this morning. The first one is faith, some of the misconceptions we'll talk about. And then we'll talk about faith and our English translations, because sometimes we read faith and we read belief and we read trust, and we sort of have different definitions in our own mind about those things. And we need to understand how the Bible uses that. And then we're going to talk about what is biblical faith, as it's sort of laid out, and then why should we choose to follow after, after faith? What's that advantage? Colby read to us this morning from Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. And at the end of that verse, it says, from faith unto faith. Now, I want to just explain very briefly what that means, what Paul is talking about. He is saying from faith, this is the faith, unto faith. Objective, subjective. My subjective faith should be influenced by the faith. 
That's why we read from Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If I say I believe something, it should be based upon something. Can we see that? <laughs> and so that's the concept behind biblical faith. If we are going to live by faith, the just shall live by faith. What is being said is, this is what we live by. So my subjective faith is formed by the faith. So, in light of the comment made by that reporter that I told you about a minute ago, let me ask you this question as we get into this. What if you pray about something? You pray hard. You pray sincerely. And then things just don't work out. What happens there? The reason why it's important for us to think about is very simply this. Because sometimes there's misconceptions about faith. Because, see, people will even quote from Scripture... And then try to justify a concept that they have of faith. And a misconception that they sometimes have about faith is, if you just have enough faith and you pray about it, everything's going to work out just fine. It's that kind of protective bubble that is around you type of concept. And so they may even quote from passages like Matthew the 17th chapter about verse 26 about verse 20, where Jesus is talking about having faith like a mustard seed. And even if you have just that little bout of faith, you can move mountains. And they'll say, see there? <laughs> if you just have faith, even a little faith, great things can happen for you. Or they may quote from James, the first chapter, where James talk about a man should pray and never doubt. And so they will say, well, if you pray and you don't doubt, then you're going to get what you're asking for. Really? So some people have that concept about faith. You just have a little faith, but you don't doubt and things will work out okay. So let me give you this other illustration. It's been a number of years ago, there was a individual that was, quote-unquote, a Christian. But his wife had been diagnosed with a serious illness, had it for some period of time, eventually ended up in the hospital, very critical. It looked like it was coming to the end. He sort of had this concept in regards to prayer and to faith, if I just pray hard enough, everything's going to work out okay. There were some good friends that went to visit him at the hospital while his wife was in there. And they were sitting and talking. And he started talking about a trip that he and his wife were going to take later in the year. And the friends became somewhat confused. They didn't say anything at the time to that gentleman. But as they left, they inquired about her and about her condition. And they said, has anything changed 
And they were told, no, nothing has changed. And she is approaching end of life. And they thought, that sure is strange the way he's talking about a trip that they're going to take later in this year. And sure enough, the next day she passed away. The man was crushed. His faith in God was in shambles. His faith in himself was in shambles. Because he thought, if I just believe, and if I don't doubt, it's all going to be okay. But it didn't turn out the way he wanted. See, sometimes that can happen. And what that becomes is sort of faith in faith. If I just if I just believe strong enough, if I have enough faith, it depends on me, you see, that everything will turn out okay. And when it doesn't, then you're crushed. Did I doubt? Did I not have enough faith? When I pray, and so it becomes faith in faith. Where did that concept of faith in faith originate? I can't tell you exactly where that concept of faith in faith originated, but I can tell you this. I can tell you where it was popularized. It was probably 50, 60 years ago. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Norman Vincent Peale? (laughs) Do you know what he was famous for? He was a motivational speaker. Positive thinking. And that same kind of concept sort of drifted over into like TV evangelism. (laughs) If you just have enough faith... God's going to make sure everything turns out just the way you want. And so what these motivational speakers did is they come up with this concept referred to as clear visualization. Clear visualization. And it was promoted among sales groups and positive thinking. And sales went up. And this is the way it went. First of all, you have got to see it. Can you see it? And then you believe it. And then it'll happen. And you know what? In sales, a lot of times, that works. (laughs) I can see my sales going up. I believe it. I act in accordance with it. And you know what? (laughs) Sales are going up. Things are getting good. (laughs) Clear visualization. Positive thinking. You know, the Royals just started playing baseball this, well, this past week, opening day, right? We go out to the ballpark once in a while in the summertime. 
And sometimes I may practice clear visualization. It's the bottom of the ninth, and the Royals are down by two runs. And I'm thinking, they're going to win it. Turn your cap around backwards and believe it. And then you say, you just got to believe. And every once in a while, they pull it out. And you think, see, you just got to be positive. You just got to think positive and everything will turn out okay. <laughs> but then sometimes, and this has happened quite a bit in recent years, <laughs> they don't pull it out, <laughs> right? But if they don't, you're just kind of disappointed, right? And you get up and you go home and you think, eh, we'll win next time, right? We'll get them next time. And that's okay. In a sales seminar, if it doesn't turn out exactly the way you want it, that's okay. At the ballpark, if it doesn't turn out exactly the way you wanted it to, that's okay. But when it's ICU, not okay. Positive thinking didn't work. Now what are you going to do? That's where we need to understand biblical faith. So I'll talk a little bit about our English translations and the words that we use faith, belief, and trust. And I want to suggest to you that sometimes the New Testament writers would be shocked by the distinctions that we make in using these words. Faith and belief and trust. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and verse 7, a passage that's familiar to us. We walk by faith and not by sight. But ask yourself, is that the way most people walk? That's not the way most people walk, is it? Do you think that's what that reporter was suggesting when she asked that senator that question? You prayed about it. We're still having these shootings. You think she's saying we ought to just walk by faith and not by sight? Sometimes our English words can become kind of confusing. Because oftentimes when we use the word faith, the way we're using that is it conjures up sort of an image of confidence. In other words, it sort of helps to eliminate the fear and it helps to eliminate the doubt and the anxiety. And it gives us sort of feeling of, you've got to have faith. And it kind of gives you that feeling of confidence. 
And so oftentimes what happens is it becomes defined by feelings instead of by fact. That's why we say at the ballpark, you just got to have faith. Just feel positive. They're going to pull it out. It's going to be okay. And so to a lot of people, that's faith. That's the way you feel about it. You just feel positive about it. And then sometimes we use the word belief. And it just carries with it this idea of mental assent. I agree to that. But whenever you say belief is just sort of mental assent, that what that does is that makes actions optional. I don't necessarily have to do anything. I don't necessarily need to act in accordance with my belief. It's just that I do I give mental assent to that. And that kind of idea is oftentimes promoted within religious realms. Within denominational realms. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Then just accept him into your heart and you will be saved. No need to do anything. Just believe. Mental assent. And they quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? Then that's all you got to do. But they forget about passages like James, the first chapter in verse 22. Be not just hearers, but doers. Of the word. So belief's not just mental assent, it includes action. It's agreement, but it moves you. But yet, sometimes as we use the word faith and as we use the word belief, people just think, well, faith is just positive thinking, and belief, belief is just mental assent. But now we come to trust. And this is a little closer to what's clearly taught within the scriptures as we use trust. When we say trust, we generally almost always include or it carries with it the idea that there's going to be some kind of action. Even from early on, if we use the word trust, as a young person, we're thinking that it's going to include action, right? Now, back when I was a kid, kids didn't have their own cars. <laughs> so when I was at Park Hill South High School, they built a huge parking lot because every kid's driving a car to school. 
back when I was a kid, you didn't need all that parking space because the only car that the family had was just the family car. And if you got to drive it, it's because your parents trusted you. Right? And so you would say, can I have the keys to the car? And if they said no, (laughs) what did you say? You don't trust me, do you? And they would say, no. (laughs) But you see the way we use it? You trust me? Give me those keys. I trust you, so I give you those keys. So each one of those words that we use, faith, belief, and trust, for us they carry kind of different concepts. Faith is just kind of this positive feeling. It's this confidence that we have. Yes, the team's going to win. And belief is just mental assent. Yeah, I agree with that. But trust. Now that includes action. To go along with that. Do you know those three different words? that are used within our English translations and that we use in everyday language? Do you know within the New Testament all three of those come from the same Greek root word? The New Testament writers would be surprised. They would be shocked at the way we use those words and the way we make distinctions between those words. Because when they use one, they're including the concept included in the others. And that it's all closely tied together and goes along together. Not separate. For them, if you have faith in someone, if you believe in someone, They would say, then you trust someone. And that you would not hesitate to then act on your faith, to act on your belief, and to show your trust. That's what they would say. So now then, when we talk about biblical faith, faith has more to do with actions than with feelings. And so, it's so closely tied together that if someone says that they have faith but they don't have actions, that the New Testament writers actually ridicule that kind of concept. Listen to James, the second chapter, beginning at verse 17, 17 through 20. James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? See how they use that? So the New Testament writers and God isn't teaching 
what man's concept of positive thinking and clear visualization. That's our concept, not his. God wants us to know that faith in, belief in, trust in him. Faith in. Belief in. Trust in him for the outcome. Can we see that? That's biblical faith. That's what that reporter clearly did not understand. Did you pray? I've heard him say this. Did you pray enough? Is that the concept? Wouldn't you like to say, can we have a Bible study? (laughs) If you want to talk about prayer, can I share with you what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer? So in regards to your question, let me tell you what Jesus said. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So now, you ask about praying? Will you join with me in prayer? And then will you join with me and let's work together to do God's will here on earth? Will you do that? Will we do God's will according to Romans the 13th chapter? You know what the purpose of government is? To punish the evildoer and to protect the innocent. Hmm. So this past week, two incidents. The first one is there's a group of young ladies on a college campus that is holding a pro-life demonstration. They've been granted permission to hold pro-life demonstration. Guess who shows up? Not pro-life people. (laughs) Or in addition to. And they began to shout down. And tell those who had the permit. Had the right to be there. That they didn't want to hear what they had to say. And then pretty soon. It became violent. Campus security rushed in. And guess who they removed? The pro-life people with the permit. And they left the others there. Is that the role of government? To protect the innocent and to punish the evildoers? Huh. I'll leave it with that one illustration. I think you get the point. So 
So what do we do as Christians? Because now we see it, right? And I'll tell you a little bit about my feelings <laughs> as I witnessed listening to that reporter and then I witnessed that demonstration. And my first response was uh, not exactly Christian. Okay? <laughs> it's like, oh really? <laughs> Who's going to get removed from here? (laughs) So I want to call your attention to Hebrews 11 chapter. Because oftentimes we talk about Hebrews 11 and we talk about the Hall of Fame of Faith. But when you read that entire chapter, there's 40 verses there that really sets forth the biblical concept of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please him because those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is to have an impact on people's lives. And that's what God wants us to have. And that directs us in all kinds of situations. But it's interesting. The way Hebrews 11 is laid out. Because as the writer starts off in Hebrews chapter 11. Some of the first people that he talks about is Abel. And then Enoch. And then Noah. You remember them? What did Abel do? He offered unto God a more acceptable sacrifice by faith. So God had told him what he wanted him to do, and that's what he did. And he had an acceptable sacrifice because he did what God had told him to do. And then it moved on to Enoch, and Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. God took him home. And then there's Noah. And what did he do? He built an ark to the saving of his own soul and of his household, right? And then there's Abraham. When he was called by faith, he went out. Not knowing exactly where he was going, but he was following God. What was the song we led this morning? Esther, are you you led this morning? Where he leads, I will follow. And how do you follow? We walk by faith, right? So where he leads, that's where we follow. And whatever we follow, is it always sunshine and roses? No, it's not. But you look at some of those first names. That the Hebrew writer records for us. And there's Abraham and there's Isaac and there's Jacob and there's Moses. And you read those things and you think, man, they did some fantastic things. That's awesome. But then you get down to about the 35th verse. And I've oftentimes said that There ought to be a little flashing warning sign right there. (laughs) 
as at about verse 35. So, in the latter part of verse 35, it says, others, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You know what that's saying? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. I'm not going along with the crowd just to avoid persecution. Let me see that. And if faith is leading us, that may be exactly where it leads us in the persecution. That they might obtain a better resurrection. You might take my life here, but you can't take my eternal life from me. Verse 36. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. See what I'm saying? This is where their faith led. Let me ask you. Did their faith make things better for them? That's a trick question. In the immediate, no. In the long term, yes. Because God has something else prepared for them. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 38. He says, of whom the world was not worthy. What's it say? Here's these people. They were faithful to God. They showed their faith. They suffered persecution. They suffered death. They suffered torture. And the Hebrew writer says, the world wasn't worthy. But this is where faith led these people. This is what God gave to the world. The example of these people. And the world wasn't worthy. Well, guess what? <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, which one in the world, <laughs> including me, was worthy? We weren't worthy, were we? And that's what he's saying. So if this is where faith leads you, 
then don't take my lead, <laughs> my personal lead. Oh, you want to mix it up? Okay. <laughs> no. Let faith lead you to follow God, the example of Jesus Christ. And it may lead to persecution. It may lead to mockings. It may lead to torture. But you stay faithful to the Lord. That's where faith leads. And no matter what comes in this life, faith is like that map that leads you down a road called righteousness. That's the biblical concept of faith. And in verse 39, it says they met or had God's approval. God approved of what they were doing. So why, why follow faith? Well, first and foremost, that's what God wants us to do, right? Hebrews 11 and verse 6. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So a lot of times we say, well, you've got to have belief in God. But why does God want us to have faith? Why does God want us to believe in him and faith and belief and trust all being the same concept. That if we have confidence, that if we give mental assent, that if we trust, we will act upon what he tells us. The Hebrew writer says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why does God want me to have faith? You know the reason, the reason why he wants me to have faith? Because faith cures my biggest problem. Faith cures my biggest problem. You want to know what my biggest problem is? What do I say when I stand before him? What do I say? I had faith in you. I believed in you. I trusted in you. That's why I was obedient to your son. And see, that cures my biggest problem. Because my biggest problem is not people yelling mean names at me. <laughs> my biggest problem is sin. It's my relationship with Him. And so with faith, He cures that problem for me. And if that's taken care of, then we can face the others, can't we? And that's what the Hebrew writer is saying. 
He starts off in Hebrews 11. He takes it, tells you about all these fantastic, wonderful things that people did by faith. And that's tremendous. But then when he gets to the latter part, he said, now some of these people, they really went through some rough stuff. And the latter part, you know, because we always want to talk about that first part. And that's good and we should. But we need to talk about the last part too because that last part, that's not faith's rejects. <laughs> it's like, oh, we don't want to talk about them. You know, no, those are the people that went through some of the worst things. And so faith, first of all, cures my biggest problem. And then it gives us that map for life and for eternity. Sometimes faith may lead us to good times. And sometimes faith may lead us to bad times and difficulties. Sometimes faith may not cure the problem. Sometimes faith may be the problem. Isn't that right? So we need to have the correct concept of faith. Because if we don't, and then you encounter those trials, what will you say? Oh my goodness. I must be doing something wrong. No, these people were doing something right. <laughs> and that's what led to their problems. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody here geographically challenged? If I say point north, can you point north? If I say point west, can you point west? East, south? Sometimes people can do that. Geographically. And so they go someplace and it's easy to kind of get turned around. and, 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 And have you ever gone into like a strange city, strange area or someplace and you're driving along and and you're thinking, boy, nothing looks familiar. I'm not quite sure which way to go. And so we have GPS, right? Hey, Siri, <laughs> pull up driving directions. And so they start giving you directions, and then you, at the next light, turn left. And, and you're thinking, this doesn't seem right. I think I need to turn right. And it's saying, turn left. But I want to turn right. You know what that is? That's a crisis of faith. (laughs) Are you going to have faith in Siri? Are you going to believe Siri? And now are you going to trust Siri? Okay. Because I'm in uncharted waters here. And this doesn't feel right. But you decide to listen. And you turn. And you start going along and you go, Whoa. Maybe this is right. Things are starting to feel kind of familiar. 
And then you get to your destination, you go, she was right. So it's the garden. And Jesus is praying. How does it feel? Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Your will. He stayed with the Father. Where did it lead him? It led him from that garden back to Jerusalem. To Pilate. To the cross. Did it look dark? But three days later was the resurrection. Forty days later, he says, I ascend back to the Father. Did faith take him home? Absolutely. Did faith help him to make it through all of those things? Absolutely. That's the biblical concept of faith. And that's what we need to understand. Because there could be some real challenging times coming. And there's already insults being hurled towards anybody that claims to have faith at all. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's biblical faith. So I hope that's been beneficial to you. I hope you give that consideration as some of the things that we see taking place even within our own country. Biblical faith is a map for life and for eternity. And it can lead to sunshine. It can lead to rain. It can lead to joys. It can lead to pain. But that path is called righteousness. And ultimately, it leads to joy and to fulfillment. And it gives us that purpose in life. Leads to heaven when this life is over. That's why the writer says, And the just shall live by faith. Well, I extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here that if we can help you in any way make your relationship right with the Lord today, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.